Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. We have a lot to discuss in this episode. We're going to talk about how quality updates from Google can affect different subdomains on your site. This is a really interesting story. Um, we're going to talk about BERT a little bit more, and we have some really interesting news on how BERT actually is potentially being used by Google to analyze content on pages. Uh, so that's going to be a really interesting thing to talk about. I want to share with you some um, information from an experiment we did, a very quick experiment on the robots.txt file and a really cool disavow case study not done by us, uh, but one that we want to share with you as well. So let's get started. I'm recording this episode on Wednesday, December 11th, and 2019 is really quickly getting away from us. Uh, we're going to have one episode, one more episode in this year of newsletter and podcast. So we'll be doing that next week. And then we're going to have a little bit of a break as the team and I are working on uh, improving a number of things with our business. Uh, and so we're going to focus on business things for the next couple of weeks uh, so that we can bring you even a better podcast, a better newsletter in the new year. Um, let's talk about algorithm updates as we usually do. There's nothing super obvious going on. Um, Google continually will be doing updates pretty much every day. They're going to be updating something. Um, we did notice that there's a number of clients that saw changes in the uh, December 3rd to 5th range that we potentially could call some type of a tweak to quality. Um, I know uh, Joy Hawkins was uh, tweeting about potentially there being some changes to the local search update that happened in November that we were calling Bedlam. Um, she's seeing a lot of shifting in sites that have been affected by this update, uh, also December 3rd to 5th or so. But there's really not enough here for me to go out and say this was a significant algorithm update. Um, as always, we'll keep an eye on what's happening. There's so much change in the search results with seasonality at this time of year. So it can be really hard to, uh, to say whether Google is doing something that we should be acting upon. Um, at this point, really, I think our advice is to continue to create great content. And, um, you know, I don't think we need to worry about uh, a big update happening uh, in the next few weeks. Hopefully, uh, Google usually tries to not do too much around the time of Christmas. Uh, I think some of that is because they have uh, engineers that are on holidays and um, often uh, not as much gets done at Google um, until the new year. So, We'll keep an eye on things, but I don't think there was uh, a significant update. With that said, uh, I saw that the SEMrush sensor, which is one of the tools that uh, checks whether there's been a lot of turbulence in the search results, was fairly high today, uh, just for today, so December 11th. Uh, this is not being reflected on Mozcast or on uh, Algaroo. Uh, I didn't really see evidence on any of the SERP checkers other than the SEMrush sensor. Uh, and so, who knows, this could be just based on a lot of SERPs are shifting around as uh, people's search habits really change around Christmas time. Um, it could be the start of a big update, and I could be completely wrong about uh, Google not doing anything before Christmas. So um, hopefully by the time we do podcast next week, I'll have some answers to you on uh, whether or not we need to worry about an update happening. I wanted to talk about this really interesting tweet by uh, both Glenn Gabe and Lily Ray uh, were talking about this. 
Uh, it was looking at different subdomains on Mercola.com. So Mercola is an alternative uh, medicine site. They're not clients of ours, um, but we've looked at the site uh, a fair amount because uh, they're very, very typical of the type of site that's really had problems over the last, uh, well, since June, really, of 2019. Uh, we really feel that the June 3rd update was heavily... Um, uh, uh, one of the main reasons for this update was Google wanting to suppress or to not rank highly medicine sites that are talking on subjects that go beyond um, what traditional consensus would say. So if regular physicians would not normally recommend a particular type of supplement and your website is all about, uh, or you have pages that are all about, hey, here's this great supplement um, and there's really not a lot of scientific evidence to prove that it's working, then that can um, impact your entire site. And so one of the things that Glenn and Lily were talking about is it's interesting to see on Mercola there are several different subdomains and not all of them were impacted as heavily as others. So their health subdomains, uh, their main content has been hit dramatically. They also have a pet health section though and this really wasn't hit as much and that's interesting. I do feel that pet health is YMYL, your money or your life, uh, but I think that it's possible that Google has varying scales in in terms of what type of content they really, really need to trust. Um, and who knows, we haven't looked at the type of pet health content. Maybe there's not as much alternative content on there. It's hard to say. I kind of feel like that's the point of the site, so there probably is alternative content. Um, but it's interesting to see. So why is this important? Why do I bring it up? When we're talking to sites, a lot of the sites that were hit on June 3rd and also in the late September update that happened in 2019, a lot of these sites have a mixture of content where there's some really good medical content or maybe nutritional content. And interspersed amongst the medical content are these pages that we would say, perhaps if Google is measuring scientific consensus, which we think they are, um, that, uh, that they would say, Whoa, these pages, you know, are ones that we're not sure whether we can trust them. And I've, you know, I've talked a lot about this a lot in the past. So if you want more information on this, if this is the first time you're hearing me talk on this, uh, we have a blog post on mariehaines.com, uh, that talks about medical consensus. And we've also written a white paper that we've distributed to clients of ours that we've reviewed their sites in terms of, um, health and, and quality updates. And uh, in this white paper, we talk about uh, ways that you could potentially separate out your alternative health content, um, perhaps putting it on separate subdomains. And one of the reasons why you might do that is so that that content does not impact the ability of your non-alternative content, your mainstream content, to rank well. So this is really interesting. Um, and I think uh, some of you that are struggling with being completely devastated uh, by quality updates in terms of health content might be uh, worthwhile paying attention to whether you should be separating out your content um, and uh, making it so that um, Google can better trust certain sections of your site. Uh, we got this idea from 
Many years ago, John Mueller in a Help Hangout uh, was talking about websites that were struggling to rank because parts of their website contained adult content. And John's advice was to very clearly separate out the adult content so that that quality does not impact your non-adult content. And we feel that this could be the same for other types of content uh, that Google does not trust for one reason or another. So um, if this is something that really is interesting to you and, and uh, I feel like it's something where, uh, I, you know, I could talk on it for a very, very long time, uh, but it's only interesting to a small subsection of people. Um, if we have not done a review for your website and you're interested in more information on understanding medical consensus and having our team review your website from the perspective of Google looking at uh, whether they can trust your content, you can reach out to us at help at mariehaines.com and we can get you a quote for uh, reviewing your website. Um Speaking of sites that have been hit by algorithm updates, I keep talking about this in every episode, but the November 8th update really is shaping out to be a a big one. I know it's been a month now since that happened, um, but we're continually getting emails from people who said they were negatively affected by this update. I'm not going to rehash the whole thing. We have a blog post that we wrote on this update, um, but uh, I wanted to point out something that was shared with me on... um, on Twitter this week by Max Pond. Um, Max tweeted, uh, Marie Haynes worked with a recipe blog bringing in about a million page views a year. They got an outbound spam manual penalty, a link spam manual penalty, outbound. So that's important to know. That means that it's not an unnatural links penalty of links pointing to your site, but links that were pointing out from their site. Uh, And he says the Google rep, which I think... Um, probably he's talking about when you have a manual action uh, and you apply for reconsideration, Google will reply back and sometimes you can have a little bit of conversation with the web spam team. Uh, they'll you know, perhaps tell you which types of links are causing problems, but they don't usually say a whole lot. Um, so he says the Google rep said to remove outbound external links to similar alternative recipes on individual recipes. Um, I think that your hunch that Google doesn't like these links is on the knows. So um, what I'm saying here is what we've said all along is that a lot of sites that were either recipe sites or travel sites that have been participating in um, parties for linking out. And these are sort of like, oh, I'm part of this group. And, you know, whenever I publish a recipe, I'm also going to say, here's some other, you know, five other recipes that I recommend. And really, these are other bloggers that are part of your group. And in turn, those bloggers link to your recipes. This is kind of a link scheme, uh, you know, and it depends. Some of that can happen on a normal scale and Google expects to see this. So if you've got like a few reciprocal links in terms of recipes, this is not probably something that's impacting you. But if the majority of your good links that used to be helping you are coming from, um, uh, you know, other people that are part of some type of a link network, there's a really good chance that Google is getting on to this now. So we don't see a lot of outbound link penalties. Uh, It's been a while that I can recall anybody reaching out to us uh, for having one of these removed. But when it happens, it's almost always because Google has found ways to identify uh, and discount certain types of link schemes. Um, We saw this happen years ago with, uh, many of you probably remember the situation with my blog guest. Uh, It was a guest blogging um, network where, you know, if done well, you could use my blog guest and not have it be a link scheme. You know, you could 
legitimately reach out to websites uh, that wanted to publish guest posts. And if done on a small scale and on appropriately relevant websites, it really could help you get some good links. Um, but what happened was, you know, whenever we find a way to get some good links, we always want to scale that. And too many people took it way too far where uh, it was just way too easy to get this reciprocal linking scheme basically happening. Um, and so my blog guest ended up getting uh, an outbound link penalty, and many of the sites that were hosting guest posts got an outbound link penalty. And I don't remember the exact timing, but I seem to think that shortly after that, we had some type of an update to a link-related algorithm, probably Penguin, um, where they were able to determine this type of thing algorithmically. So when Google is giving manual actions out, it's something that we really pay attention to, uh, because what Mac is saying here that this recipe site got an outbound link penalty for unnatural links, uh, that means Google's onto this thing. Now, I haven't analyzed this site. Um, I don't know the extent, you know, whether these links were used with keyword anchors or uh, very overtly SEO-made links, uh, but it seems very interesting to me. So, uh, again, the question that we have is, should we be disavowing? I'm going to talk in a minute about a really cool disavow case study that... Um, maybe tells us that we should be disavowing links like this. Uh, so we'll get to that in just a moment. Um, some information about BERT. Uh, we've talked a lot about BERT, and I always say I don't claim to be a BERT expert. I have no idea uh, exactly how Google is using it, um, but I do think it's something that we need to pay attention to. And uh, one of the things Google announced this week is that BERT is now live in a whole bunch of languages. I'm not going to list them all because there's quite a few of them. Uh, and Google tweeted out, if you want to see if your language uh, that you write in is in this list, you can go to the Google Search Liaison account on Twitter, and they've listed all of the different languages, um, including Spanish. A lot of people were asking whether this was uh, rolled out to Spanish or not, and it is. Um, what I'm still a little bit unclear on is uh, Danny Sullivan told us uh, just a couple of days ago that this still is only live in languages beyond English for just featured snippets. Uh, I'm not there was one post that he made that sort of indicated it could be used for other types of content, um, but I think Google's just using it for featured snippets uh, at this point. So um, we're going to note this on our algorithm update uh, list that if you have a site that is not in English and you're seeing some significant changes in traffic, it could be connected to BERT. Now, speaking on BERT, this is a question that I've had ever since we got the announcement from Google that they're using BERT. I wanted to know whether BERT uh, was used just for analyzing queries or whether Google's actually using BERT to analyze the content on pages. And, uh, you know, I asked both John Mueller and Danny Sullivan on Twitter about this and didn't get a reply, which I totally understand uh, because they get a lot of at mentions on Twitter. Um, but it also could be that uh, they didn't know how to answer the question or didn't know uh, the answer to this question. Um, but John Mueller said something in a Help Hangout uh, just this week. And I want to thank Glenn Gabe because he uh, uh, alerted me that uh, Google had done this. We're a little bit behind on going through Help Hangouts. We've got so much stuff going on here lately. Um, so thank you, Glenn for pointing this out to me. I want to read the quote uh, that John Mueller said here in the Help Hangout. So he was asked some questions about BERT and how Google uses it. He said, we use that on the one hand to understand queries better. Um, so I'm going to interrupt here. 
we knew that, right? So BERT helps Google to understand really long queries, uh, you know, that maybe use words like not or if or things like that. Um, and they better understand a long tail query. Uh, and so if a searcher is looking for, um, you know, a, a particular question that maybe previously Google just wouldn't understand the question, now they understand the question. Um, and then, so he goes on to say, uh, we use that to understand queries better. So to better understand when someone writes something complicated into the search box. And on the other hand, and this is the interesting part, to understand pages a little bit better. He also said, we're trying to understand which queries fit with which pages, especially when people are asking things where the queries might be kind of complicated. Things that we can't map one-to-one -one on a keyword basis where we have to understand what they actually mean. So the most important part of this quote from John is where he says, we use it on the other hand to understand pages a little bit better. Now, I'm fully aware as I say this, that this is just a section of a sentence that John said on the fly in a Google Help Hangout. Um, I don't think we can take this as a uh, you know direct statement from Google, and there's a possibility that uh, I'm misinterpreting it. But I do think that what John is saying is that BERT is also being used on content uh, in order to understand which content is ranking better. Uh, not ranking better, but doing better at answering a person's query. Um, that's really significant. And I feel like Google's going to get better and better at uh, determining which pages truly have good content. Um, I've been noticing something lately, and I don't know if you guys are noticing this as well, but when I'm doing Google searches, I'm finding that many of the stories that are coming up that I want to read um, are way, way more detailed than I used to expect. Uh, I haven't checked the stats on this, but I noticed there's a website called heavy.com that continually comes up when I'm doing a search. I searched for, what was it? Oh, something from Ninja from Fortnite. Um, and uh, Heavy.com had this massive article that had like 10 things I didn't know about Ninja from Fortnite. Uh, and so um, it, it was really, really good. And I think that Google is getting better at recognizing not just word count, I don't want everybody to go out and write 10,000 words on every single subject because that's not necessary for every subject. Um, but somehow they're determining that whatever my query was that I was trying to find out, that this particular article goes into great depth. And if you recall, just recently, Google came out with information on how they want to improve, they want to reward good journalism. Um, and so those of you who are doing content writing or um, you know involved in creating content for websites, this is challenging because you're working with writers who uh, are usually working on a deadline and they just want to get this stuff done. Um, and so uh, they may not be producing, um, you know, by far the best content that, that's out there. And that's a real skill in order to do that. So, um, you know, there's nothing specific. It's not like we can all go out and start uh, increasing the word count of our posts and expect to rank better. Uh, but more and more, we need to be critically looking at the pages that are ranking for our queries and say, why are users or why is Google considering this better than mine? And I would urge you to do that um, with a really uh, non-biased view because whenever we ask site owners to do this type of thing, they'll always think that their page is better. It's better designed. It answers these questions better. Uh, it's written by an expert. Um, and when we look at it from an outside perspective, we can often say, but 
this other page has this and this and this. And we can say, like, these pages are clearly better than yours. So sometimes having a third party who is not connected with your business, um, assessing the content of your pages can really help. And I'll end this section by giving another recommendation to look at the questions that Amit Singhal gave us uh, for panda hit sites. There's 23 questions that Google gave us. Google reiterated those questions on their uh, blog post this year on EAT and added to them as well. Actually, those are probably better questions to go through than just the 23 from Amit Singhal. Um, And those questions will help you to write better content and to write content that truly is the best of its kind. Um, let's see here. Oh, let's talk about our robots.txt experiment. I ran this a little while back and we just forgot to publish it. So we've published it on our Wix site, um, which uh, I'll talk about that in a minute, how that contest is going. This was a very simple experiment. Um, what we did was we, uh, created a page and we blocked that page in our robots.txt file. So what we did was we put a disallow in our robots.txt, Uh, so that it was disallowing all crawlers from crawling this particular page. And then what we did was we tried to get that page in the index. So the theory is that if um, Googlebot is not allowed to crawl the page, then it should not get indexed. And uh, it did not get indexed. Um, We submitted it through Search Console and uh, waited for several weeks, and the page did not get indexed. So the next thing that we did was added a link to this page. It was an internal link. I snuck it in on our algo update page, uh, and I think it's still there. You can see, you know, here's a here's a, a link that's part of a test or something like that, um, and just an internal link. And then what we did was submit that page, the algo update uh, page, to the index using Search Console. Um, And within, I want to say, like, a few minutes, it was very, very fast. It could have been a bit longer, but definitely within one day, uh, the page was indexed. Now, the content was not indexed because what's happened here is Google discovered this page because it was linked to. Um, But Google obeys the robots.txt, which says, no, 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 we're not going to crawl this page. So if you find the page in the index, um, you'll see that it's the URL and then a note saying this page is blocked by robots.txt, so we can't show you the content. This is a concern, though, because we see people that um, you have content that you want to hide. You don't want users to see maybe a private members forum or something like that. But if somebody actually links to that content, the URL will be visible in search. So if this is happening, to you, then um, what we would recommend doing is use a noindex tag as opposed to a robots block. And hopefully this won't get too complicated, but you need to remove the robots block first, uh, because otherwise Google will not be able to crawl the page in order to see the noindex tag. Then once Google has crawled the page, and you can determine that either in Search Console by looking at, it'll tell you when the last date was that it was crawled, or um, by looking at the last cached date. Now sometimes Google can cache a page and the cache date isn't correct, but if you see that it's been cached um, uh, since you've made changes, then uh, you know that Google has uh, has visited it. So we thought this was interesting. It's probably not earth-shattering news to most of you, um, but you really, really need to make sure that if you want to hide content from Google, that it's no indexed. Now, once that page actually gets crawled by Google and Google recognizes the noindex tag, you can go ahead again and re-add the robots block and uh, it will not appear in the index after that because it's it's already seen the noindex tag. Um, this is probably a good place to talk about our Wix 
uh, site. Most of you listening to this know that we're one of the two competitors in Wix's SEO competition. Um, and this is a really challenging competition. I think uh, Liquid Interactive, the other team that uh, is against us, um, posted something recently that we agree with, saying this is it's kind of a silly contest. Uh, you know, we've learned a lot. And uh, we keep jumping back and forth in terms of who's uh, – ranking number one or ranking above the other one. Uh, the whole goal of the contest is for um, us to try to rank for the term Wix SEO and for them to try to rank for the same term. And on December 19th, whoever is uh, ranking the highest wins uh, a good chunk of money and the second place team wins uh, less money. So um, every time we look now, we're like between page four and five and they're between page four and five and sometimes we're a few places higher than them and sometimes they're a few places higher than us. There was a study that was done uh, several years ago that where somebody showed um, that the rankings, once you get beyond page one, rankings will flip on an hourly basis basically and uh, uh, it's really not relevant. Like if you've moved from the bottom of page four to the top of page four, like that's not a significant change. Um, and uh, it really doesn't mean much. So we're, um, we're working on a few things to, uh, to get some more content on the site and give one final push for the last few days uh, to see if we can win this. Um, if you are a fan of ours and you wanted to help us out, uh, Google says it's perfectly okay for us to ask for links. So I would love if you could link to the wixseolovers.com. If you're looking for a particular place where uh, you could linked to that actually makes sense, our uh, post on the robots.txt experiment is uh, a good place to do it. So we would greatly appreciate that if you can do it. Um, we've got a few other things up our sleeves for the last uh, few days to try to do this push and, and get us above. But um, either way, it's been very, very interesting. We've learned a lot about Wix. Um, I think one of the things we'll have out very soon is our thoughts on uh, what struggles we had with Wix and whether or not Wix is actually something that people should be using um, as a, a website builder uh, in, if it's a, a topic that you want to rank well for. I think in some cases, as long as there's not crazy competition you can rank quite well with a Wix site. Uh, again, trying to rank for a random phrase uh, that really very few people are searching for and, you know, it's it, it, that's a bit tricky for us. But if you have a specific business that's an actual business and you're trying to rank it with a Wix website, I think it should work just fine. Um, we'll have more for you on that uh, hopefully in the next week. Let's talk about the quality raters guidelines. They updated this week. Google always updates the quality raters guidelines when I'm not able to take a good look at them. <laughs> um, they did it on Friday of uh, uh, last week and I was um, not in the office and uh, I tried try really hard now not to work on weekends. I used to work uh, every evening, every weekend, and I'd barely see my family. And I've done really well at changing my work-life balance. Um, and so, uh, so when Google came out with this update, I was like, oh, come on, guys. Why do you always do this to me? And I decided to push it until uh, this week. Um, and I'm glad that I did. The changes are not that significant. Uh, we've written about it in newsletter. As always, Jennifer Slegg has an incredible article on the SEMpost.com that goes into great detail on what's changed. Most of the changes we think are probably not significant. 
um, in terms of whether Google is going to be updating their algorithms in order to reflect something new. Um, when Google changed the quality raters guidelines in July of 2018, one of the things they added in a couple of places was the word words safety of users. And we saw that the August 1st update was very much about protecting the safety of users. Many sites that had reputation issues, um, had other trust issues, saw big, big drops in traffic and rankings at that time. And so this is why we pay attention because if Google's changed some wording, it means that there's something that the engineers at Google are working on and they want to um, put something new into the algorithm. Um, the wording that was changed this time, uh, it seems to me to be more um, to demonstrate to the outside world that the quality raters uh, potential personal bias is not affecting Google's results. Um, they talked in a few places uh, where they mentioned users. They changed the word users to people. Um, I don't think that really changes how we uh, understand, um, you know, Google's algorithms. Uh, they say raters must represent the user. That's what it used to say. And now it says quality raters must represent people in their rating locale. Um, and so if you were searching if you're a quality rater and you're doing a search uh, from a particular country, um, you need to put your head in the mindset of somebody who's in that country uh, and what they'd be expecting to see with that search. Um, they added, uh, let's see here, they added some stuff uh, where it says, keep in mind that users are people from all over the world, people of all ages, genders, races, religions, and political affiliations. Uh, that political affiliations is something new. And so um, we think that this is mostly... Uh, because a lot of reporters are writing things saying, well, if there's, you know, say 16,000 quality raters and they're assessing Google search results, and what if the majority of those quality raters are, uh, let's say, Democrats? Um, is that going to bias the search results towards uh, political content that leans that way? Um, and what they don't understand is that uh, the bias of the quality raters really should not impact the the results. Um, and in fact, there were changes made in this update uh, to say, uh, unless your rating task indicates otherwise, your ratings should be based on the instructions and examples given in the guidelines and not based on your personal opinions, preferences, religious beliefs, or political views. Um, I've been interviewed by a few journalists uh, who wanted to break a big story, at, at least two wanted to break a big story about how um, the bias of the quality raters uh, could be impacting Google search results. And I really don't think that this is the case. So I think that Google made these changes basically to say that, um, you know, you, you don't need to worry about bias in, um, in the search results. The reason why this is significant, and one little thing that I think we should pay attention to in terms of potential algorithm changes uh, that this could be giving us a hint about is that um, is whether or not Google's using data from the quality raters in terms of machine learning. So a lot of people believe this, but Danny Sullivan told us, uh, I want to say a year and a half ago, that this is not the case. Um, 
And the thought was that if we had thousands of quality raters assess one particular issue, um, Google could use machine learning to sort of gather the data points about that issue and, and then apply it to some other issue. Um, and so if there was personal bias in that first assessment, then when we apply that to, um, you know, via machine learning to other aspects, um, rather than um, individually analyzing them, it could introduce bias. So Google told us that they don't do this. Um, I, I wonder if it's possible that they could be wanting to start to use machine learning in some areas uh, in terms of quality raters. It's a bit of a stretch, though, at this point. Um, let's go on and talk about this disavow case study. Uh, this uh, Twitter fan asked to be named anonymous other than his first name. So Jesse, thank you for sharing this with me. Um, he shared uh, that he heard me talk about the November 8th update, which I've talked about quite a bit over the last few weeks. And it inspired him to look at the links pointing to his website because his website, uh, I'm assuming, was negatively affected uh, by the November 8th update. Uh, it's hard to say, actually. Either way, he was um, inspired to look at uh, his links. And in his words, he disavowed about 75 to 100 low-quality blogspot domains that were linking to him from the sidebar. And what he said was this was actually uh, there because the previous owner of the domain had been involved in link schemes uh, very similar to these recipe uh, sites where uh, you would basically um, put in your sidebar, here's some other sites on this topic that I recommend. And then those sites would link back to you uh, to, um, you know, to help improve your page rank. Uh, and so he had a lot of these, they were site-wide sidebar links uh, and disavowed them. And within a few weeks, he saw a very, very dramatic increase in traffic. Now, and we've put a, in our newsletter, um, I didn't mention, this is episode number 112 of uh, Search News You Can Use. In our newsletter, uh, we've uh, he's actually shared with us a screenshot from Google Analytics. Um, and he says, you know, it is possible that there's some seasonality at play here because the site does tend to see a boost in Chris, around Christmas time. Um, but the timing is really, really, uh, it, it seems to me that this is related to the disavow. Uh, so if you're um, interested in disavow, work. Uh, we do plan on having a, a disavow course, a link course, link auditing course coming out in the new year. It's hard to say exactly when, uh, but um, I would really encourage you to, uh, uh, to take a look at your links. And you're not looking for the ultra spammy, like, ooh, these image spammy sites, wallpaper sites are linking to me, but rather links like this kind, uh, where those blog spot, uh, blog roll links were essentially there to uh, improve page rank and really you know readers weren't clicking on them so uh so that's interesting that um that this happened and i want to thank you jesse for sharing that with me um let's see one quick little tip here uh, somebody asked john Mueller if um let's see john hogg asked on twitter if a site has already switched to mobile first indexing why does google still crawl with google bot desktop as well as smartphone um and so just to take a step back once you're moved to mobile-first indexing, the majority of the crawling that Google does on your site should be done with Googlebot for smartphone. Uh, most sites, it seems to be about 80% smartphone and 20% desktop. Um, and so John said, it's not so much about parity, although that's useful to know. Um, I think what he was trying to figure out is, is Google trying to figure out 
Is your mobile content the same as your desktop content? Uh, but more about understanding the whole web. For example, we wouldn't realize that a site now has MDOT pages if we don't check how a desktop user sees a site. So that's interesting. I, I don't know to what extent Google uses the data that they gather from their desktop crawls, but they still do do both. So if you're seeing both, that's the way that Google is working, and uh, it doesn't mean that anything is wrong. I thought this was interesting. There's been an update to Google Assistant uh, for people who want to do recipe searches or nutrition searches, but have dietary restrictions. Um, and the example that they gave was gluten-free, vegan, and vegetarian uh, people or people following those uh, diets, you can, if you use Google Assistant, you can go into the Google app and say, I only, I want my content to be focused on uh, gluten-free options. Um, for me, it would be dairy-free. I found out this year I'm severely allergic to dairy and it's changed my life. Uh, if any of you want information on that, please do reach out to me because uh, I lived a life of uh, pain all the time and cutting out dairy really helped me. Now, I don't know if dairy-free is one of the options that's in here. I'm going to be checking it out. But this could impact the search results for nutrition and recipe sites uh, even further. Um, and who knows, maybe I didn't really consider whether this could be a part of November 8th. I don't think it is. It seems to me that this is a fairly new thing. Um, but if you have content that is, say, perhaps gluten-free, content, talking about gluten-free recipes, you might find that that content's getting more searches now because uh, it's not buried amongst all of the other pumpkin pie recipes. You've got your gluten-free pumpkin pie recipe uh, that uh, appears at the top. Um, and so uh, conversely, um, you know, if you were uh, a website that has a normal pumpkin pie recipe and millions of people have chosen to not see any content unless it's gluten-free, then uh, you might see that your traffic has dropped. So we're, uh, we don't know the exact date that this was implemented. Um, the article that we read uh, seemed to imply that it was fairly recent. Um, so we put it in our algo update post. If you go to mariehaines.com slash algo, A-L-G-O, uh, you'll get directed to our post that says everything that we think was a Google update. Um, and so uh, we may alter the date on this as we analyze more recipe sites to see um, if this actually truly is a thing. Uh, but I thought it was worth mentioning to you. So that's all we're going to talk about. Uh, oh, wait, no, I've got a, a Q&A. If you want to ask me a question, you can go to our newsletter and uh, there'll be a link to a Google form where you can submit an SEO question. Um, this question says, due to the continued growth of no-click searches, should SEOs begin to use other tools like Google Search Console for impressions and clicks to measure organic search performance? Or should organic traffic still be used as the primary indicator of performance? So this is, I'm going to give a real SEO answer to this and say it really depends. Um, and it depends on the business and what the business's goals are. And so pretty much every business, your goal is to make money. And really, I think, um, you know, when you're tracking analytics, you need to find ways to implement conversion tracking um, to figure out, are you actually making more money as a result of SEO? Uh, because in some cases, 
especially with recent updates. I know you're talking about no-click searches where, uh, you know, maybe, um, you know, somebody was searching for your business and now they do a search and they see everything they need in the knowledge panel and uh, they don't have to actually click through to your site. Well, that customer was still happy. They found your address or your phone number or whatever. Um, but as an SEO, you don't get the click to your website. Uh, and so it looks bad if you're losing traffic this way. Many of the recent updates, we've seen a trend where traffic goes down, but conversions don't. And I think Google is getting way better at determining which types of users truly are going to become your customers. So if your traffic has declined, it may not necessarily be a bad thing. Um, And so I would really strongly recommend looking into conversion tracking uh, and finding ways. We had one client I think this is a pretty common thing, but our main goal for this client, uh, because they, they didn't sell their products on their website, uh, but they were trying to get people into their website or into their business, their uh, brick and mortar business. And uh, what we measured for conversions was contact form submissions. And we made it a goal for us to increase this by a certain amount uh, each month. And, uh, and that was way more valuable than just measuring exactly how much traffic has come to this business. Um, the other thing I would recommend too is is uh, Barnacle SEO, uh, and Barnacle SEO is where you actually look at who is ranking um, in terms of no click searches. Uh, so let's say somebody does a search for your business, and um, the top page that's ranking is LinkedIn. Uh, it's not really a no-click search, but it wouldn't result in a click to your website. So let's say your LinkedIn page is ranking, um, but it really isn't well optimized and uh, and users aren't going to find information and, and they're confused maybe that, is this your company? Is this another one? So you look at what's currently ranking for your terms and see, is there something I can change on this page? So perhaps there's a, a Yelp page for your business that's ranking well. Um, then you want to make sure that that page is completely optimized to bring you customers uh, as much as you can. So those are things to look at as well. We still do report on traffic. Um, When we're talking talking about algorithm updates, we love to see when traffic uh, increases. Um, You know, it's very nice to see those charts in Google Analytics, but uh, it's not always the best indicator as to whether the SEO work is being um, successful. So tough call, but I think the answer to this is determining which goals are important to the business and focusing on that and also making sure that the business owner understands the value that you're bringing to their business. All right, so that's all we're going to do for um, for this episode. Uh, this uh, we'll have an episode next week, and then we're going to take a couple weeks off while we uh, prepare for Christmas. <laughs> Christmas, and um, we have a lot of really exciting things coming in 2020. We have a new website that's coming. We're working on it, and it's uh, it's going to be fantastic. We got some changes to newsletter. Um, hopefully, those some of you are having issues with logging into newsletter and uh, and PayPal issues. So we're working on that. I'm really excited because we're trying to work towards me doing more webinars and creating more training. Um, like I said, we're probably going to have a course out on auditing links. Uh, and we've got a lot of stuff that's coming out of this office. So um, we're uh, in the midst of doing interviews now to hire a couple of more uh, people to um, to help us to uh, create this content and get more information out to you. So if, if you are in the Ottawa, Canada area, 
Um, I would love for you to just send us an email, help at mariehaines.com. Mention that you listen to the podcast, and if you're interested in working for us, it's not a remote position. You have to come into the office. Um, we're actually going to keep uh, a job open pretty much at all times uh, just so we can get the right candidate. And um, so, yeah, so if you're in the area uh, and you think that uh, it might be fun to come work for us, then we'd love to, to hear from you. And uh, with that, I'm going to end it. I wish you all the best of luck with your rankings. <laughs>